Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our new free app, which is the best way to listen to messages and keep up with everything happening at Creekwood Church. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. Well, happy Easter. Man, it is so good to see you guys. Y'all look great. Thank you. Man, why don't you turn to your neighbor, make their day, tell them they look great. They're looking really good. They cleaned up really good. Now turn to your second choice and tell them you need help today. Some of y'all ain't playing, but that's all right. Well, it's good to have you here today. You know, if it's been a while since you've been in church, um, you know, as pastor, I just want to just tell you, it is great to have you here, and uh, we want you to relax and just enjoy this time. This is really a celebration. We're here uh, celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ is alive, and it, it really means a lot to us, the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. Well, I want to share some thoughts with you this Easter, and if you've got your Bibles today, I'd like for you to turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 33 is where we're going to be looking at primarily this morning for just a few moments. The Bible says this, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is. And great grace was upon them all. I want you to read that last phrase with me today, and I want y'all to beat the other four services. I know the godly people are at the 10 at this service right now. So I want y'all to read this today and be super excited about it. And let's read it together. And great grace was upon them all. The Bible says, and great grace was upon them all. You know, Easter changed everything. Easter, it symbolizes shocking grace. You know, this scripture has been really what has been at the core at at, at my heart as I've been preparing for this this Easter weekend. And the fact that the, the disciples, the apostles, that first Easter, it says that they with great power, gave witness to the fact that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. And it says something like that maybe you've not thought about lately. It doesn't say with grace. It says with great grace. With amazing grace, they experienced this. It was upon them all. You know, you think about great grace and what what that means to all of us. Um, I think it's very easy to kind of get lost somewhere in our faith when it comes to grace. And uh, we kind of go along and we we start to kind of forget and we start to kind of kind of believe that who we are and where we're at is is we're starting to kind of believe that this is about us and what we're doing. And it's easy to do this. We all do this. But I believe that in this room, all of us are here and and behind our nice little Easter outfits, we are are broken people. And um, 
again, it's, it's, it's very easy to kind of start to make it about yourself and what you're doing and, 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 at the, and forget the fact that we're all broken and we are all sinners. And when you think about grace, grace just becomes grace when you start to think that you've done something special for this. What is great grace? How does great grace happen? See, I think we got to go back and start to kind of think about grace because see, the reason why I know that a lot of us don't understand what grace is and really what great grace is that churches today are full of people that are discouraged, depressed. They're full of condemnation. They are, are, man, they just don't feel like they measure up. We try so hard to try to to get to a certain level. And how many of you know that it's very easy to make it about levels? And we start to kind of believe that, you know what, man, you know, I'm, I'm good, bad. I'm not bad, bad. Y'all know people that are bad, bad. And like, you start to kind of think you're good, bad, and they're bad, bad people. Like some of your relatives are bad, bad, right? You were like, God would never bless them because they're bad, bad. I'm good, bad. And you kind of think the fact that you showed up today at the, this Easter service that you're kind of good, bad because your bad, bad friends stayed up too late drinking. And they're home in bed and you're like, my presence, just my presence here today makes me good, bad. And they're bad, bad. And I just, I tell little white lies and I, maybe I like, I cheat a little bit on this and that and. But if I were to ask you today, and don't raise your hand, please. Um, you know, like, how many of you are, like, you've lied in your life at some time? All of us would need to raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> if I asked you, and don't raise your hand, because I don't want you to have marriage problems today. But how many of you have ever lusted? All of us would need to raise our hand because we've all lusted. We're all liars. We've all lied. We've all lusted. We've all, we're all sinners. Welcome to Creekwood. <laughs> Why am I kind of taking you back to this point of, of recognizing that we're all sinners? See, as long as I believe that I'm not that bad of a sinner, I don't have a need for a savior. And if I don't believe that I'm not bad and I'm not that bad and that I'm kind of good, bad, grace is just grace. But the moment I have this encounter that I see myself for who I am, that I'm a a sinner, grace becomes great. Great grace. You know that our mistakes and our failures, it's very easy. And in this room, all of us have certain parts of our life that we wish we had a giant eraser that we could erase and we could forget. And it's very easy to be held captive in our life, in the prison of our past and our failures and our mistakes. And I want you to hear me when I say this today, that I really believe with all of my heart that God wants to put on you and your family and on your failure and on your mistakes this Easter, great grace. 
Again, mistakes can become a, a prison house. It, it, it can become our failures, our sin. And we, we just, this is what kind of, look, we, we kind of, somewhere we believe that, man, I give my heart to God and I show up to church and start being faithful. And we, listen, this is why some of us are on this performance kick of, of trying to be per- perfect. And listen to me, this has never been about performance and it's never been about you being perfect. If you think this is about performance and your Christianity is about perfection, you'll never see grace as amazing. See, your sin and your failure and your mistakes can become informative. They they can bring great revelation in your life. You know, Adam's mistake, Adam's sin brought great revelation about God that Adam would have never known had he not committed the sins that he committed. See, when Adam and Eve fell, God said, I'm going to show you a side of me that you wouldn't have seen without your mistake and without your failures. I'm going to show you that I am a God of grace. Our mistakes, our failures, our... Great grace only comes after great mistakes. But see, I think we don't understand grace again in the church. A lot of us, our definition of grace is kind of like this. We kind of believe that we're kind of, we're in this boat and there's this strong current that's trying to pull us towards hell. And God has given us these oars, and these oars represent the grace of God. And you are like, God's given me these oars. And man, as long as I row with that grace and I row as hard as I can, I'm going to keep myself from going to hell. And listen to me. If you're just making it about you rowing and rowing and rowing as hard as you can and working and serving and trying to do everything you can and showing up to church and trying to make everything perfect and you're kind of getting at the different level that you kind of think you're little, you're better than bad, bad. That's not great grace. That's not amazing grace. That's amazing you. And you're not that amazing. Listen, I'm going to just tell you, I've done some stupid things in my life. I shouldn't be the pastor of this church. I really shouldn't be. I made a lot of mistakes in my life. I think about a lot of the mistakes that I've done in my life, and I'm like, God, why did you let me be the pastor of this church? I was a youth minister in the the early 90s. Y'all remember the 90s? How many of y'all, like, love the 90s? That's when music was anointed. You know, in the 90s, in church, we didn't have these websites and internet and all this stuff. <clears throat> I had important jobs at the church, and I, we weren't managed. There were no websites or anything. We had a sign out in front of the church, and it was my important job to make sure that sign stayed creative. And that we were always, y'all remember those signs? There were little plastic things, little letters. You had to go lay them all out. It was a pain. It was a lot of work, and I was thinking about this week, and I, I came up with a couple different little illustrations of what churches put out in front of their, the church. <laughs> you know what hell is? Come here, our preacher. Here's another one. Now's a good time to visit our pastors on vacation. <laughs> Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. 
I made plenty of boo-boos. And that was one of my jobs to go out there and change the sign. And a lot of times I got in trouble. And another big job that I have had was, um, I was, I was in charge of making sure the baptismal tank had water in it. Now my pastor would not actually let me dunk people, but I was in charge of, of getting the water in there for Sunday night, water baptism. And, and it took forever to fill up these tanks. And if you've ever been around me, you know that I have the attention span of a fleet. I lose my attention so fast and like it would take forever and I would turn the water on and it was my job to make sure that the, the baptism tank was full. And I would leave and go do stuff and one time I forgot to come back and turn it off. And I flooded the whole church. And it was the grace of God that I didn't get fired. But I didn't just flood it one time. I flooded it two times, the whole church. It is great grace that I didn't get fired for flooding the church two times. Some of y'all wonder and ask questions, why didn't the church have a baptismal tank in the church? And now you know why we don't do baptisms here at the church. We do water baptisms at Hawaiian Falls. We trust them over there. The staff doesn't trust them. But I shouldn't be the pastor of this church. Seriously, I've, I've made so many mistakes. And uh, it's just the grace of God. And I think of this, this scripture that I read to you about the disciples came out of that first Easter with great grace all over them. And I'm like, what does that mean? What kind of revelation? How, what kind of information came inside their soul that they were experiencing great grace? See, I automatically jump and think about Peter. Y'all know Peter. Peter was one of the closest ones to Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He actually walked on water. And when it really counted, the Bible tells us that he denied Jesus three times. He said he didn't know Jesus. The Bible tells us, go read it. It says that Peter just went back to his old life. He had messed up. Again, it would have been easy for his failure and all the stuff that he'd done in his life to hold him captive. But the great revelation happened in his soul where it became great grace was when Jesus showed up after the resurrection and he walked up to Peter and he said, your calling is still on. You're still my disciple. I love the fact that Jesus did not look at Peter and say, Peter, you are the biggest mess up. You denied me three times. Give me the keys back. You're not going to be one of my disciples. Do you know that Jesus never brought it up? It tells me that your mistakes are not final. Do you know that you look at the crucifixion of Jesus when Jesus is hanging on the cross. Before he breathed his last breath, he said some powerful words. He said, it is finished. What does he mean when it, it's finished? And he said, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. When he was saying it is finished, he's not talking about that this is over. I'm getting ready to die. He's saying, it's finished. I came to pay the price for their sins. See, God knew we would always struggle with sin and you will always struggle because, listen, we have this, this flesh that is sinful 
And as long as you remind yourself and you tell yourself, listen to me, I need the grace of God. It is not about my performance. It is not about perfection. It has always been a free, undeserved, unearned. See, listen to me. Grace is free. It's undeserved. It's unearned. It's the goodness and favor of God in our life. Listen, I don't deserve to be the pastor. Again, I'll tell you, I, I don't deserve to be, a, be the pastor because I, I, I automatically go back to moments in my life, even as the pastor of this church, that I'm ashamed to tell you. Because I, I've had moments where I've kind of thought that I was good, bad, and other people were bad, bad, and kind of start, I was kind of like, I'm the pastor of this church, and Creekwood's awesome. And Some of you guys have heard me tell the story of my, my older brother. That my older brother, the moment we got out of high school, my and my brother ran from God and got in all kinds of addictions. And he's, his whole life has been about that. He's lived homeless on the streets of Houston. And, and I'm ashamed to tell you that there have been moments that I, I've gotten on the phone. And I don't know if I was bored or what. But I'd get on the phone and I would chew my brother out. And I would like, Maurice, why can't you stop doing this? What kind of person are you? What's, what is it about alcohol that you can't stop drinking? And I'm thinking I'm good, good, bad. And he's bad, bad. And this judgment is all over me. And I'm kicking him like a dog. Not even realizing that he's probably starving. I'm kicking him like a dog and I'm not even realizing that he's thirsty. And I'll tell you, like it was yesterday, I'm sitting in my car and God, I I know it was God. God said, look down at your Diet Coke. You've been trying to give up Diet Cokes for three years. And you can't stop drinking Diet Cokes. You know what God showed me that moment? is that I need the same amount of grace as my brother does. Great grace begins at the moment of you understanding how guilty we all are. That we are saved by grace. It's a gift from God. Let me read this scripture to you in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It tells us that the grace of God is a gift. Don't ever forget it. It's a gift. And it says something else more powerful to me that I I was thinking about. You know, right now there's a lot of bragging. In churches, there's a lot of bragging, and we kind of brag about ourselves. We tell ourselves all kinds of stuff. But listen to me. The moment you step and take that first step and you step into heaven, there's not going to be any bragging. The moment you look at Jesus' hands and you see the scars in his hands, there won't be any bragging because you're going to realize this has always been about the grace of God. That you made it. You're here today. And I, w- I want you to hear me because I think some of you, so many of us that are here today, 
The reason we, we don't want to go to church and just because, man, you believed all kinds of stuff that maybe Christians have misrepresented Jesus and the church has misrepresented. And I, as a pastor, I want to apologize to you because Jesus loves you and has grace for your life. And this is all, we are all saved by grace. I, I want to show you A picture of grace today. And I hope you never forget it. There's a family that their son was born with brain damage. And this couple soon realized that their son, this is in the 1970s, their son was uh, not able to talk and not able to walk. And um, he had brain damage and as the, as the little boy started to grow up, they stu- soon realized he was incredibly smart. And in the 1970s, a, a computer developer helped them develop this computer program that um, was, was developed so he could actually move the mouse, the cursor on the computer and communicate with his eyes. And he was able to start communicating with his parents. And uh, it was... A, Incredible for the parents to start to be able to communicate back and forth. And um, when, he, when he got in high school, one of his close friends was in an accident and was paralyzed. And the school was going to do a special run to raise money for this, this, this boy. And, and uh, the son told his father, he said, I want to run with his eyes. He was communicating on the screen. He said, Dad, I want to run in this race. His dad had never ran a race in his life, and he decided that they would do it together, and they went and they ran this this race. He pushed him, and um, when he got done, he communicated back to his dad. He said, Dad, this is the first time in my life that I I haven't felt handicapped. And his dad devoted his life to giving his son that moment over and over and over and over, and together they have ran 72 marathons. They have done 255 triathlons. I don't know if you know how much that is. I hardly do. It's a lot. It's a, a triathlon is, is, is a lot. 2.4 miles of swimming, 26.2 miles of running, 112 miles of biking. And this dad, every time he runs, he's pushing his son. When he swims, he's pulling his son. When he's cycling, his son is on the handlebars. And it's such an incredible picture of God pulling us, pushing us, and carrying us. And I want you to watch this, and I pray that you never forget this. You know, every time I watch that video, it messes me up. The reason is that um, I'm the young man in that seat. I think about my life. And everything that I have, everything that I've accomplished in my life, even being the pastor of this church, it's always been about Jesus pulling me, pushing me. I watch that video and I think, what an incredible picture of a father. And this is what Easter's about. 
God knew all along that we could never do this. And it is great grace. You know, I think of my life. These different seasons in my life where I felt like a total failure. I felt like I messed up so bad. There's never been one time that Jesus has looked at me and said, you can't be the pastor of this church anymore. Give me back the keys. It's great grace. And all that God wants us to do is to get in that chair. See, in fact, we can't get in the chair. We have to have Jesus get us in the chair. We're not able to get in the chair by ourselves. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one that brings the salvation in your life. He's the one that saves you. He's the one that enables you to live your life. I think the greatest thing that could happen in your life this Easter is that you allow Jesus Christ to help you into the chair. Because we're all broken. We're all sinners. I want to pray with you today. I want to ask you to bow your heads. You know, I'm not going to ask you to stand or come forward or anything like that. I, I believe that you can receive the grace of God right there at your seat. But I do want to pray for you. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you are like, Stephen, I, I need the grace of God. I need to receive him in my life. I know that, that this is a moment that God is speaking into my life. Would you just lift your hand and up high and let me see it and just say, Pastor Stephen, would you pray for me today? There's hands going up around this room and just slip it up high and let me see it and thank you and just put it right back down. Just put it up high and put it down. Jesus, I thank you for your great grace. I thank you that you're the one that puts us in the seat. Father, we confess our sins to you. We receive you as the Lord and Savior of our life. We thank you today for your amazing, great grace. In your holy name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we would love to have you engage in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.